What's up, everybody? Welcome. This is the Ask LSC Podcast. I'm Harrison. Good to be with y'all today. Hey, this is Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Harrison, good to see you today. We're recording on a Thursday morning instead of a Tuesday. That's right. I have been uh, away, uh, deeply engaged in... Um, uh, at, at a pastoral uh, cohort, a consultation in Washington, Washington D.C., that I will tell you a little bit of the content about it. Fired something that the Lord has fired in me my entire ministry career and in our church, uh, and so it was a little bit of a refire and a, a, pu- a prod in the back for vision that we already have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be a little bit of our content today. Nice. Um, but first, what's happening at Lake Forest? Yeah, yeah, man, we just, um, we are, we're kind of wrapping up. Um, we're, we're getting into the end of our spring here. If you got kids that are school age, college age, you know we're kind of cruising towards the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. The summer is right around the you corner. You know what I hated when I was on Young Life staff and then when I was a youth pastor of a church, you What's, know what I hated? What'd you hate? I hated this exact time of year. From spring break until graduation, I still had to run club for Young Life every Monday night, youth group for middle and high school on whatever nights of the week we did that. We did Sunday and Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. And yet there'd be three kids. Now, our youth ministry is better. <laughs> yeah. But this time of year is just that there's the spring sports seem to conflict more mm-hmm. expansively with things in the evenings and ministry calendars. And then it's just that time of year. My kindergartner has senioritis right now. <laughs> She's like, how many days of school are left? Do I have to go? Or like, it's like 30 days left. You got this. You got That's it. We're, hilarious. Give, we're giving the pep talk. But we know that um, we are entering into a stretch of life here where it is extra important to stay engaged and stay in community. So we are uh, both Jeff Cook and Cammie Howard have put together some awesome opportunities for both men and women. More importantly, to, their teams, the men's ministry team, right. the women's ministry team, uh, have a, a, a connection, a belonging event here mm-hmm. to mark the end of this spring ministry season. And then we'll morph into uh, the summer. That's right. As a church. So next Thursday, as we're sitting down recording this, the date of that, let's see, today's April 27th. The next two Thursdays. Yeah. So. The, well, I'm, I got to put my calendar because I say next for as we're recording this is April. Okay. So we have May 4th. Wow. Good. That was so what, what? loud. What was that truck, man? That was crazy. I hope you could hear that. I'm sure you could hear that on here. May 4th, uh, women's event right here in the worship center uh they're calling it the gathering and it's going to be worship led by aaron mayner and some friends and teaching by friend of lake forest nicole Eunice, who's been here a handful of times and um, she's quite the influencer online yeah, particularly yeah. In, in ministry in general uh women's ministry as well so it's just a great uh opportunity for the women of lake forest to come and get connected from what i've heard uh, over this week, Mike, you probably haven't heard this yet. There are, they have a, a certain amount of registration spots for this because of the way that they want to break off and connect. Mm-hmm. And that number was set high, and they are rapidly approaching it. Okay. So, so women are taking taking up on this. If you are interested at all, and you're listening to this, I would recommend 
um, jumping on and getting registered for that. Yeah. Like, and today. in faith, go ahead and register. Friends coming with you. That's right. Um, <laughs> That's right. But because of the food, they have to plan ahead. Yeah, uh, they do a lovely job. The the other thing, the men's ministry season ending uh, gathering uh, connectivity point is a meetup the following Thursday. Uh, I don't know if you have that date there. Yeah, it's uh, it's the 11th, May 11th. At Joe Gibbs Racing. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a guided tour through their whole operations, which are amazing. I haven't done that in years. When I did, I came home and was like, baby, they keep that shop room floor where they're grinding things and you know building race cars. It's cleaner than our kitchen floor. Um, it's an amazing operation. We'll have some some of their staff are going to um, uh, give men tours. We'll have some connection points for guys, and then we'll hear a talk from one of their senior staff. That's right. So just <clears throat> an encouragement. Um, one of I'm our going to be on, at that. I'm looking oh, nice. forward to it. Yeah. One of our one of our biggest takeaways, I think, together as a church coming out of COVID, is just realizing the need for people to connect. So we're just trying to overload opportunities uh to to get in community with it's each other. still a thing it's still a thing we, we've all everybody's gone back to work and kids in school but every but there's there's still this little drag i i feel it even in my own work and attempt to recapture my productivity uh levels and expectations for myself uh that were just normal for me and and were threatened during the shutdown of the pandemic and everyone's habits, uh, re- the intentionality of rebuilding the most important habits uh, to powerfully move your life in the direction that you want most want to uh, go is still a thing, rebuilding the most important and powerful habits. So anyway, we hope that those will serve you as we move into the summer season of ministry. Um, if, if you happen to have been thinking about um, serving a bit in Kidtropolis, um, we do Summer Serve. And if you're newer here, a lot of our, our newer ministry partners seem to dial into this podcast just mm-hmm. like, let me get a fix on our church a little bit more. And so if you're newer, just we do Summer Serve, and that's a way that we retain our awesome Kidtropolis heroes who serve our children, year, many of them year after year during the school year. So we give them the summer off so that we have that we retain them longer term in ministry. It works beautifully. Hmm. So right. summer serve doesn't mean you're committing to not go on vacation uh, or change your vacation or anything. It's just that the weeks you're going, the Sundays you're going to be in town over the summer, yes, I'll serve in Kidtropolis to give our other heroes a, a, a rest. And then yep. if, if you've had any leading uh, to be a remix leader, because there's so much happening in that ministry, it's a... Uh, uh, it's a consequential ministry role to play. Yep. Um, summer is when they sort of train. They they go for several months long training. It's fun. It's not necessarily arduous, but just know that that would be the rhythm so that then they really are ready for the fall. So Yeah, yeah I was able to drop in uh, just this last Sunday night and hang out a little bit at Remix and hear was some it three of, kids like showed up for my youth group this time of year. It was not quite that. It yeah. was a party in there. Okay. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a place where so many kids have found, uh, their own way to connecting community with their peers and with some awesome, uh, leaders. It's a great opportunity to invest in, 
uh, the life of some kids. So, uh, yeah, just if you're like Mike said, if you're sitting around, uh, considering it, now's a great time to do it. So, okay. So Mike, you just, uh, you just got back, uh, from Washington DC, had a chance to hang out with some really smart people. Uh, how many former presidents were in the room with you? <laughs> Four. Okay. Now you're making fun of me. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Like I was bragging or something. No, 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 man. I'm excited <laughs> to hear about it. <laughs> it felt like it in the ministry world. That's to awesome. Me, um, I was, uh, invited, uh, a foundation that, uh, cares about and is alarmed like many people about the state of race relations in our country. Um, and recognizing that Christians and the power of the gospel perhaps c- could could be, uh, not necessarily will be, could be, if deployed uh, well and with intention and prayer, c- if we were ever going to have uh, a quote-unquote revival, and I use that religious term on purpose however applying it to more than just the church and christians if we were going to have a revival and a transformation of race relations in this country because it's in a dire state yep. that that i don't even need to give statistics everyone knows that surveys show that everyone thinks that most people um it's in a dire state and this foundation uh is doing a number of things but but they used a uh 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 Partnering with a high-profile convener invited one white and one black pastor that they considered uh, to be active in uh, racial reconciliation Hmm. from 20 major metro areas in the U.S. to come together for a consult, a cohort, a a happening. It was prayer. It was discussion. It was honesty. Uh, and so I, I was honored to be the white pastor from Charlotte just because of some connections and some things that I and we as a church have been known for. Yep. And I've been at this long enough that I, I, I have, I'm a gatherer of several networks of pastors in this metro area. Uh, and the black pastor who was invited from Charlotte to be part of this consult um, is... Uh, a man that I will be introducing our church to eventually. We are new friends. Cool. And we're, we're really not supposed to talk about who was at this consult for various reasons. Um, it's, it's considered a private gathering, not something that we tweet about, uh, but heads down doing some hard work of prayer and then influencing and work together, me and this, this uh, black pastor um, from another part of Charlotte, uh, to influence pastors in our region regarding matters of race, uh, to care, to advocate, uh, to seed things. Yeah, just to teach, be biblical about it. So Hmm. this pastor and I, interesting, one of the reasons the two of us were chosen from Charlotte uh, is our churches are large. uh, Their church is larger than ours, I believe, if I understand that right. Interesting. He planted his church uh, on our opposite side of Charlotte, Two years after Lake Forest was planted, hmm. uh, and it's grown wildly and it's been beautiful. It's a predominantly black church. Uh, and just a, a year ago, he and I were requested by other pastors to start a network that really wanted to happen in the Charlotte metro area. Uh, we're calling it Multiply Charlotte. And it's, uh, oh, here's another reason why he and I are connected 
is he's a, a, a leader and a mover or shaker in church planting in his denomination. Mm. He's a point uh, leader for that because he's like, outside of my own church, what I care about most is church planting. And they're like, ah, Mike Moses is like that too. Um, it's another reason we're connected. So he and I are convening a, uh, a network of Charlotte area pastors and churches who care about church multiplication and want to be collaborative about this in prayer for cheering each other on, not in competition. And, and know that the, the way that the gospel will continue to be spread to new generations, new populations, because Charlotte's always growing, is particularly the starting of new creative, contextualized churches to serve new communities. That's why we do it here at Lake Forest. And so as this new uh, brother and I, we just got to know each other. We had never met because he's been mostly involved in his denomination, not our city uh, efforts, and he's turning God's turning his focus here hmm. now to Charlotte. Um, we convened and invited pastors of all types and denominations. And the first two meetings, Harrison, again, we've been kind of private about this too. Uh, the first two meetings are, have been, the, as far as we can tell, um, outside of a thing called Movement Day, which was, was a one-time occurrence, the, the most diverse denominationally and racially uh, gathering and the most attended and, co- and committed into, not a one-time event, by... A high percentage of the larger churches, irrespective in the metro area of uh, irrespective of denomination, mm. we just were hum- overwhelmed and humbled at who came in the room. Uh, we spent the first thirty minutes in prayer uh, and just seeking the Lord and asking for an outpouring mm. of the Holy Spirit of church multiplication in our region, as a result of us being collaborative and unified in the body of Christ and not competitive. And critical of one another. So this pastor friend and I are honored to be the senior conveners of this group. We're not, we don't have an agenda of how the, the what collaboration is going to look like. We're seeking that slowly yeah. as this group gathers two or three times a year. So all that to say, <laughs> uh, maybe a little much. Um, this is why I, it's a, this is one of the most joyful things, and I feel is important to steward as an opportunity that's been asked of me here at this stage of my career uh, we ha- because I'm still at it. I have a bit of convening power because many of the larger pulpits in the metro area have turned over and are these wonderful younger leaders. Oh my gosh, the the pastor who, he's not new new, uh, but at Carmel Baptist, the pastor at Forest Hill, the several pastors, the pastor at uh, what was Church at Charlotte, now New City Church, just mm. to give a few examples. They are so collaborative where their predecessors were not necessarily so. It wasn't their focus. I'm not saying yeah. there was anything wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But they're just all in to collaborate as well as uh, a number of the most notable PCA churches in our region. Those pulpits, some of them have turned over. They're just they're at the table to collaborate. Uh, they're our closest cousins theologically in Charlotte. Um, and we've never collaborated with each other. And there may be a new spirit of that. So I, maybe that's just interesting for you all to know. That's a, a bit of a personal ministry of mine, but it's on behalf of, it's because I represent you, Lake Forest, and our, our powerful church planting vision that is producing difference-making churches, uh, both in our family of churches every time we do it, 
uh, and then we're partnering, I, I think I've said on here before, churches that we invest in in Asheville and in Richmond and other places that are just... So on behalf of you, we have some really wonderful gospel convening power hmm. um, to connect churches for collaborative purposes. That's always been my spirit with the churches in Lake Norman, and, and now the Lord is offering opportunities to bring that spirit uh, which others have, I'm, I'm not the source, <laughs> uh, but to uh, convene toward a collaborative spirit, which is an answer to Jesus in the metro area. To be an answer, very consciously, we quote this every time we gather, to Jesus' prayer in John 17. I pray that they, all that come to know me, would be one, as I and the Father are one. Um, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, that they would be one, not for touchy-feely reasons, he says, so that the world may know uh, uh, the Father sent me. Hmm. It's a so that for the effectiveness of the gospel, bringing pe- more people into the family of God. And this is a beautiful thing to be part of. It's pretty cool right out of the gate, just <clears throat> not even having heard some of what you guys talked through and were working out, um, just kind of even the counterintuitiveness, which is really cool. And like, I just from the outside builds some trust in the leadership of your gathering you went to in DC, how cool it is that, um, that they approached it the way that they did, as you're describing where, you know, it's, we're not the, the point of the thing was not to show everyone that you guys are talking about it. The point was to do the behind the scenes important work rather than be like, Hey everyone. Yeah look, we're, we're, we're doing stuff over here yes. and that's really cool. So this is why that pastor in, in the South part of Charlotte and I were invited, not necessarily because we're the biggest church. We're not, we are large and that brings something to the table. Uh, and, and my friend, new friends church is large and, and we're becoming friends, but that wasn't the, the biggest point. Um, so we were in DC in this hotel conference room and, uh, these uh, white black pastors from these 20 major metropolitan areas, there were several mentors there to kind of guide conversation when they were in smaller groups, although we did most of our work as the group of 40. Um, And and Harrison, I was intimidated. Uh, A number of my heroes were in that room. That's cool. Black and white. Some real difference-making and highly published Pastors who, frankly, I have learned from and followed in their footsteps. Um, and so that was, I, I actually had to pray to not be timid hmm. and own my voice because I'm like, why am I here? These are, there were just some real giants. And not everyone fits that description. Um, you know, I have labored in, you know we're well known in our denomination and lake norman but you know my name i've not published I, i'm no national influencer so that was joyful because i some men whom i have long admired they're the real deal yep we were just hanging uh and engaging equally in the conversation um that was joyful we start harrison one of the reasons why I knew that the Holy Spirit had picked me for this, for, for some very specific reasons, and I won't share all of them. One of them is, yes, um, this friend and I have already been, 
called by God to learn to be partners in ministry in the metro area. And then we were invited to this together. They didn't know that we were co-leading that network. Hmm. <coughs> so that wow, there's something there. <laughs> but also, God is uh, is wanting to grow me as a, a man of prayer in ways I have not been to this point in my ministry. And this was a gathering and a lot of leaders who lead with prayer in ways that that honestly, I, um, I, I have not. Mm-hmm. And we started this meeting, first of all, with some charge from a few really great leaders who were mentors there. Uh, and then uh, we were called to get on our knees, and we prayed for a full hour. These are some high-profile, like high got some chop, leadership chops in this room, and we did not start with leadership and my ideas, your ideas, somebody else. It was see, it was repentant, repenting prayer hmm. for our role of, um, particularly as pastors of larger churches, for where we are complacent um, over the state of race relations in our country. It was seeking prayer for what God could do through hmm. us, uh, and the, it was wailing prayer because of the. The pain and the suffering that happens still today in this country due to um, uh, inequitable sorting of resources in our country based on historical racial imbalances and animosity, mm-hmm. uh, and in particular oppression. Um, uh, in, so we started with an hour of prayer. It was beautiful. And um, the Holy Spirit gave me a vision of something in our church and in my ministry that I needed to see. And I don't know if it was a supernatural vision or if it was just in in the sense of the Spirit in that room. I Some things came together for me, and um, that's a story for another time. Hmm. I wrote it down, and I'm grateful. It was That was worth going for, wow. for me personally, and, and just a, something fresh about our church here in our 25th year as we look ahead to the next 25. Um, so it involved a lot of honest discussion. At one point, uh, the black pastors were the first. So then, after we did that, we were each paired with our partner who was there. And we had two and a half hours, go find a place. And questions about your life background, your family background, your sense, when did God call you to ministry? And then, when, what, when were you first aware of racism? Hmm. Uh, and then, what have you always wanted to ask a black pastor, a white pastor, hmm. what, uh, blah, blah, blah. There's wow. a lot of really yeah. vulnerable questions that led to deepening a relationship. Um, the next morning, we got up and, and we had a private tour uh, with the museum director of the African American uh, History and Culture Museum, which opened in 2016 in D.C., well, in the middle of all the museums. Yep. Um, it was profound. It was a hard experience. It's not a happy museum, yeah, um, because the story of African Americans uh, starting in the fourteen fifteen hundreds on this continent is is not a it's a story of suffering. Um, so, uh, going through that as these paired up white and black pastors from around the country was quite an experience too. To experience that museum not just with my predominantly Anglo family. But with these brothers uh, together was profound. Mm. Uh, and then we came back and processed that 
back in the 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 room where we were meeting, the conference room. Process that for a good long while. Not content, but how are you feeling? Hmm. They they really focused it. People started to say, well, here's what I think. Hey, stop. All of us know the history. We just saw it, and all of us have advocated a lot in areas of race relations or you wouldn't be in this room. Not what do you know. How do you feel out of that? Hmm. That was an experience. Then it got uncomfortable. <laughs> we were sent uh, the black pastors in one room, the white pastors in another with flip charts, and we had to answer several questions and then come back and share it with the other group. The most uncomfortable one was, how do white people see black people? And how do black people view white people? Hmm. And uh, that was the, one, the question of when we came back in the room and showed each other our flip charts that was... Uh, that that got us to the deeper points of conversation back and forth about the state of race in the church among Christians and in culture at large. And I won't attempt to summarize that, uh, but it was quite intense. The organizers expected fireworks and conflict, and they were kind of preparing us for that. Hey, you know, doing in love, etc. And that didn't happen. Deep honesty. And uh, and challenging prophetic words uh, and critique were shared back and forth. But it was in the spirit of, I really want to understand. I don't want to change your understanding right now. It's actually helpful for me if I really, really know what do black people think about white people and vice versa. Hmm. Uh, it was It was wonderful. It was unifying. It was... Uh, discouraging at times. Like, I'm a happy guy. Everybody knows that about me. Harrison, all you on staff know, don't, don't, don't be the guy. Don't, don't be the staff member who brings, to, is the first person to tell Mike about a problem <laughs> in our church or on staff. He doesn't like problems. Yep. It, it's a, it's a weakness. That <laughs> I've tried to get over that as a leader. But, so it was healthy for me to sit in the problem. We we were not moving quickly to happy, yeah, facile uh, solutions. Nor will this group, which will gather again. We'll meet on Zoom a few times, and then we'll meet again in person. But um, so that's enough about the experience. Uh, I did want to share uh, one the the experience. Overall, the experience had one major takeaway for me, which I'll share at the end. Um, but I, I, there was a, uh, the head of New Testament studies of a major Bible-believing seminary was one of the mentors there. Um, a seminary not known for uh, any kind of progressivism in their faith. Uh, and it was, it was interesting to learn about him. But he shared this really interesting um, perspective. So this is this is a well-published professor of New Testament. Everybody knows people like me who go to school for the stuff I've went to school for. Like, dude, that guy. Yeah, he's in the room. Wow. Um, and he used his voice sparingly, but he he said this. He said, "Let me let me boil down my entire work on the New Testament." He said, the New Testament is about God saying, 
I'm going to take people who hate each other and make them family. Hmm. We were all like, yeah. well, I, I, I leaned over to the guy next to me who's written a bunch of books. Um, it, just, uh, you know, it was just so fun to become friendly with, uh, again, a few heroes. I leaned around and was like, okay, that's an authoritative take <laughs> from the New Testament guy uh, as an American. The New Testament is about God saying, I'm going to take people who hate each other and make them family. Think about this here. That is so clear. Mm -hmm. Like, you and I know the Bible. We know it granularly. But when you pull back at the forest, not the trees, that's exactly what the New Testament is about. Yep. Uh, He he, he said all of Paul's letters (laughs) are about the gospel, the power of the gospel through Jesus, taking people who hate each other and making them family. One of the most clear spots is Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22, and he just summarized that. He's like, again, the entire New Testament, Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, is like one of the focal points where, where Paul just puts this clearly on display. But the entire New Testament, he says, is about how God takes Jews and Gentiles and makes them family. Yep. Ephesians 2 says that we were created in him before the foundation of the earth for good works that we would actually do. We are saved, not just so we're happy and healthy and whole spiritually, but specifically Ephesians 2 says to do good works. We're not saved by the good works, but to do them uh, that God superintended from before the beginning of time. And what's the first good work? After Paul states that, the first good work there in Ephesians 2 is... Make peace between enemies through Christ. He has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. This is Ephesians 2. Between the two, Jews and Gentiles, people who hate each other, uh, and made peace between them through Christ, and made them into one family. That word family is there. Uh, uh, And so, so this New Testament, head of New Testament studies at this seminar said, Seminary said, so I'm in this room today, and I'm in this conversation in my own city, and I will be about this work for the rest of my life because I believe my Bible. Hmm. <laughs> and we're just all scribbling, yeah. but like, dang. And it's not merely a mental ascent. Okay, yeah, we're all one family now, this happy, let's hold hands and, and enjoy Michael Jackson and all those stars singing We Are the World. Yeah. In that studio, if you're a child of the 80s, uh, let the listener understand um, to edit John the Revelator a little bit there. Um, it, it is a te- it involves tactile relationship, reconciling relationships um, that make a real difference in the real world for actual people who were our enemies or are enemies of our tribe. Um, And he gave this further example of uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was preaching, it was a pre-gospel of repentance. Um, And and his message of repentance, he said, do works, this is early in the gospels, do works of repentance. Don't, call, don't just call yourself a child of Abraham. Hey, I'm saved, in parlance. Do works of repentance. And the crowd said, what should we do? Like, John, make it plain. 
And so he did. To the crowd, he said, give an extra shirt to your neighbor. He didn't say, grow your prayer life. He, he, he got into a horizontal relationship of someone who needs a shirt. Interesting, by the way, how Jesus is actually kind of quoting John when he gets to the Sermon on the Mount. I had never made that connection before. Hmm. Um, he said, what should we do to the crowd? Give them an extra shirt to your neighbor if they ask you. Uh, and then tax collectors were there listening to John. So John also had kind of some of the same audiences as Jesus. And the tax collector said, what should we do? What are works of repentance? And he didn't say, start reading your Bible more. Now, of course, that's part of it. He gave horizontal relationship, real world, like work on this stuff, answers. Um, he said, don't collect too much. In your job, do justice. Don't mm-hmm. collect too much taxes. Uh, and, and where you have, give it back. Uh, and then a soldier, a Roman soldier, because there weren't Hebrew soldiers. <laughs> they were occupied. They weren't allowed to have arms. Asked, um, what should we do? What are works of repentance? And he said, and I'm now quoting in very vaguely here, uh, essentially, um, he, don't abuse your power. Don't stop oppressing this subject population and using your power to extort from them, etc. So this is an example of God's, the whole New Testament is about God saying, I'm going to take people who hate each other and make them hmm. family. Yep. And that will include good works that that externalize on the outside and make real in the in the actual lived world, what Jesus has done by the power of his cross on the inside, which is tear down the wall of hostility between the two. And the New Testament and John the Baptist make it clear that's through actions of horizontal good works that tear apart where there is inequity. Hey, give them a shirt. Or oppression. You're using your power as the tax collector, as the Roman guard. And so I... Really, um, I won't say more today, but the big takeaway for me was uh, the Holy Spirit reminding me that from the very start of my call to ministry, racial understanding and reconciliation as an outflow of the gospel. And, and now this professor told me it's, <laughs> it's actually the main story uh, of the New Testament. That blows me away, and it's true um, that he's always given me a, an undue heart for that. In in the when um, the uh, the killing of George, the murder of George Floyd video came out, and there were Black Lives Matter marches of which you and I participated, uh, for example, and I, we were speaking about this as a congregation and people were like, dude, why does Mike keep talking about this all the time? And I did say, Hey, I I want everyone to understand. This is not, I'm not talking about something only because it's in the headlines. This has been, um, part and parcel of my calling from a very young age. And, uh, and I've been engaged in it in smaller and larger ways through the warp and woof of my ministry career it's been a calling of Lake Forest. When we were founded in 1998, we had a list of 
eight or ten core values, which is way too many. <laughs> Nobody could ever remember them. Uh, but at least it kind of kept me on track. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I, I had a, a boundary for myself, Harrison. In the first year of the church, I will have an African-American friend pastor preach in our congregation. That will happen. And I did. Um, I didn't have any friends in Charlotte yet, so I had to fly a friend from Philadelphia, and he brought the house down in our little roller skating rink congregation. Um, and most years we have had that. That's an example of how even in the beginning of our founding, and so all this to say, the, the, uh, I don't know how this will show up, but um, if people hate that part of my own calling in ministry, um I hope, no, I was about to be obnoxious. (laughs) Um, The Lord is calling me to lead us to not care less but more Mm -hmm. about race relations in our town and our city and our nation, and we will be doing so. And and then I realized this just, this so aligns with our call to... um, grow into a more kingdom of God looking congregation on Sunday mornings and reflect the ethnicity of our zip code. We need to care about the things because Christians of color care about this from an entirely different angle. And they are now us, Harrison. We, we will be addressing this from the, uh, how does the Bible have to say to those of us who are majority culture and white? And what does the Bible have to say uh, for those who are minority culture, because now our church is both in, in a in a slowly growing way. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful for opportunities like this. The Lord sends my way, and uh, and I feel responsible to use them to both bless the church and exhort the church. And we'll see how that shakes out. Yep, we're <clears throat> we're all in on it here, even uh, in our own denomination. Jeff Cook leading a, right. a group called Revelation 7-9 that's doing a lot of this very same thinking on the EPC level, and he's he's spearheading that. So it just feels like in many different ways that uh, God is leading us into these conversations. Mm-hmm. So we're just excited to continue them here and, and with you, our uh, beloved uh, people of Lake Forest Church. We're excited to go on this journey with you all. Yes. I had a, a memory that I had forgotten that 